What's up, everyone? Dustin Bass here with just a quick little request. If you enjoy our podcast, could you do us a huge favor and leave us a rating and a review? The reason we ask you to do that is because when we get more ratings and reviews, more people are able to find the show. So if you're enjoying the content that we're putting out, we would greatly appreciate if you helped spread the word. So leave us a rating, leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Thanks so much. And let's get on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the month of October. It's your worst nightmare. The Sons of History podcast. I'm Dustin Bass. And I'm Alan Joaquin. Yeah, that's right. You know, I was trying to get into character and you just threw it completely off. But whatever, I'm used to that. I'm just here to do a job and that's all. That's right. You are all about doing your civic duty for the American people, which is to give them historical information that they can apply to their present lives, correct? Correct. All right. Well, first and foremost, before we get to applying historical precedent to everything that we decide our lives upon, let's get to our book and movie recommendation. You ready? I am ready, sir. All right, doctor, perform at will. Okay, first book. Uh, I want to. I want to recommend a book called "The Persian Expedition" by Xenophon. Hmm. Uh, now, it does, it does go by other names and other titles, but it's about the ten thousand Greek mercenaries who march into Persia and try to overthrow the king with the help of uh, Prince Cyrus, who wants the job. Um, the unfortunate thing for these Greeks is hold on, that. Hold well, on. Did you say who wants the job like you're asking? Who wants the job? Or was it Cyrus who wants the job? Cyrus wanted the job. Okay. Cyrus, Cyrus <laughs> wanted to take over the job. He wanted to overthrow his brother. Uh-huh. Um, so he hired 10,000 Greek mercenaries. And they were actually winning a battle. But unfortunately, very important figure gets killed in that battle. Deep, deep, deep in Persia. Um, and now the uh, expedition is a failure and they have to now, these, these Greeks have to fight their way back home. Mm-hmm. I- interesting story. Now the, now Xenophon who wrote the, who wrote the book has been accused of kind of exaggerating his role a bit, regardless whether he did or did not. It's still an entertaining book. And there you have it. And I recommend it. So that is the book. Now, for the movie, I'm going to go with Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Now, some people might be like, yeah, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of music and you can't really understand what what the, uh, you know, the men are saying because, you know, they, they have that ridiculous English accent. Where they properly <laughs> pronounce words, but I, I still can't understand some of the things. So I, I actually... I actually just purchased it today at Walmart, of all places. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah Walmart's gonna, like, Walmart is going to come into play in this conversation. Oh, well, good, good, yeah. good. Because I, I was there. I spent 12 bucks, I think, twelve ninety six, something like that, uh, yeah. which is what I could have gotten on Amazon Prime, which I'm sure we're going to discuss also. Yeah. Uh, it was also for the same price. So I purchased it, and then I'm going to put the closed caption so I can understand what those brits are saying because yes for the life of me sometimes i can't understand what they're saying that's amazing you know jared jared has a my business partner has uh so we got business phones right okay mine's in pretty much perfect condition his is shattered to to crap why 
because he never got a phone protector. Uh-huh. And I was like, why don't you freaking get a phone protector? And like on a weekly basis, it'd be like, hey, man, glad you got that phone. Pro-. Screen's all cracked, big gashes in there. And he's like, I'm not going to Walmart, man. I'm not going to Walmart. I'm not donating to China. I'm like, you know, you can go other place, other places. He's like, no. yeah. I'm like, no, you just, you, you're absent-minded. You never remember to go do it. You're too busy mm-hmm. doing other things, destroying, destroying a company property. Anyways, I had to get that off my chest. You're welcome. All right, then. Beautiful. All right, so it's your turn now. Okay. All right, so my book and movie recommendation is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by the Scotsman... Robert Louis Stevenson. Um, This is a classic. Since it's October, look, I'm just going to go ahead and spill the beans now. October, uh, Halloween's my second favorite holiday out of the year, much to my mother's chagrin. Um, But I enjoy it. Um, I like watching the classic horror films. Not any of the like modern stuff like Saw and different things like that where it's just intolerable to watch. Um, But... Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a really uh, good movie. And to an extent, I think it sort of applies to our conversation on this episode regarding oligarchies. It's like if you give someone too much power, they're just going to take more of it. And it's going to become a monster that you can't control. So uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I think, is applicable to everyone's lives. Um, And even though it is a classic horror tell um it is definitely sort of a a study in i guess you could say psychology um so definitely a good good book uh definitely a good read so they've made countless um movie renditions of it over the years so definitely something worth watching uh my my uh movie recommendation so did you ever watch abbott and costello growing up oh yeah I watched it quite a bit, especially in high school. They had it on Saturday uh, afternoon TVs. Yeah. Those Saturday, Saturday afternoon movies. Dude, love Abbott and Costello. Ladies and gentlemen, young, old, doesn't matter. Um, I would spend some time watching Abbott and Costello. It's very relaxing and it's very funny. Um, this is old comedy right here. Um, and so my recommendation for a movie is hold that ghost. One of their classic ones. Um, I've seen that one. Yeah. I don't, rem- I don't remember what happened, but I do remember seeing it. So they've got like those, the Abbott and Costello movies just have like classic lines. It's really just brilliant comedy. And there are some lines from that movie that me and my family still use to this day. Um, so it's good stuff. All right, enough of that. Go uh, get your books, get your movies, and but don't do that until after this episode is over. You ready, man? I'm ready. All right, so we're going to be talking about oligarchies. Um, the, the big question is, is America heading toward becoming an oligarchy, or has it already become an oligarchy? Um, and we'll discuss that here. So what is an oligarchy? The definition of an oligarchy is government by the few. Um, also, it's uh, a government in which a small group exercises control, especially for corrupt and selfish purposes. So, we have, uh, we, I mean, we've witnessed this type of stuff uh, for a long time, but it's primarily 
as far as historical precedent that we can look at, it's like, okay, this person was just corrupt and they finally got caught. Well, now it seems to be that um, this is almost um, just something that is done. Like you just, the corruption is almost accepted uh, to where it's like, well, you know, we, we accept money from whoever, you know, if they want to, if they want to donate, that's fine. It has no bearing on what we do. Oh, really? I mean, are we really supposed to believe that? But anyways, let's go back a few thousand years uh, to discuss oligarchy in historical um, in historical terms, things that have happened. You wanted to start off with Herodotus, right? Back yeah. in ancient Greece. Well, I wouldn't call that ancient Greece. I would call that more of ancient Persia. But oh. yes, yes, yes. Actually, um, Herodotus is a book about ancient Greece, but uh, it has a large section of it that deals with the Persian uh, Empire. And in this case, what happened was that so, everyone is so. Heard- you're telling me that Herodotus is was Persian? Okay, cool. I didn't know. No, that. no. I no, always no. thought he was Greek. Uh, well, that's on he, me. He, well, okay. He was he was born in a in a town which is now part of modern day Turkey, but he was not Turkish. The Turkmen were nowhere near at that point. They were kind of like you know, they they hadn't controlled Asia Minor at this point. But yeah, we're we're kind of getting off. But subject Herodotus here. was Persian. Her- Herodotus <laughs> discusses Persia <laughs> simply because he does discuss uh, Persia's invasion of Greece. Okay, so uh, I just want to get it clear for everybody. He was yeah. he was Greek. He, he yeah, he was Greek. Why you can't why you can't meet me halfway? I don't know. Well, you know why? I will tell you why. Because there's always somebody who might be listening or reading and saying, "Wait a minute, that's not that's not the truth," you know. And and then they will go and they'll they will forget everything that we have discussed in say the past hour and complain about that one little detail. So this is why I feel that it is necessary to kind of explain myself. So I love it. Yeah. So, okay. Now, um, yes. And it was discussed. This was discussed because, you know, Persia invaded Greece. Mm-hmm. If you saw the movie 300, yep. there, there's a, there is a backstory to it. And Darius or Darius, his father, or, or I'm sorry, Darius himself was the person who invaded Marathon and when he got his butt kicked in Marathon, his son Xerxes wanted to uh, uh, wanted to seek uh, revenge or, or avenge his father, and that's why he invaded Greece that second time, and that's why he had the Battle of Thermopylae. But but that particular Darius, what had happened was this: there was uh, uh, Cyrus the Great. He was a great king. He gets killed. He has a son. Now I can never pronounce his name correctly. Uh, it, I don't know if it's Cambyses, Cambyses, Cambuca, whatever. He he was a bit. Uh, he was a nasty, nasty ruler. Mm-hmm. He dies without a son. Now these two magi. You've heard of the gift of the magi. I have heard of the three magi. Okay, well, in this one, you know, we're not talking about Jesus at this point. We're no, talking we're about two magi who took over the Persian government uh, for less than a year. I think it was around seven months. Uh, but, uh, you know, they were usurpers. We find out that, you know, the Persians find out that these guys, uh, had no right to, to claim the throne. They were pretending to be somebody else, the son of Cyrus and Darius and a few others. I think there were like seven of them all together. What they did was they conspired 
to uh, rid, yeah, there were seven of them, uh, conspired to rid themselves of the two Magi. They were successful. And what they did, what the seven decided to do was, okay, we need to discuss, A, are we, what kind of government we're going to have, and then B, who's going to be the leader. So the discussion came down to, should we have a democracy? Should we have an oligarchy? Or should we have a monarchy? Well, it, it's an interesting interesting discussion that they have because one of the things that they say is if we have a democracy do we really want the common people who know nothing about the role of government having a part in a say in the government hmm. which you know i i hate to say it i can kind of understand why they would say that because i watch and read things on Facebook and in the news, social media, and I see people making complaints. Like I heard, I saw somebody, I'm not going to mention who because they might be listening, but someone was complaining about the way Hunter Biden was treated in that first debate. You know, how dare you bring up Hunter Biden's name because the poor fellow was in a car accident and almost died as a child. And I was sitting there going, do you know what Hunter did and why he was brought up? And it, it frustrated the hell uh-huh. out of me because this person votes and this person is posting something on Facebook demanding that that President Trump not bring up Hunter Biden again because he was almost killed in a car accident. And that just made me think about how we have so many people who are voting who don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, there are certain things, certain industries, certain businesses that I will not say a thing. I will not give them my input because I don't have enough knowledge of the business Mm -hmm. to give a qualified opinion. So, well, I mean, to an extent, like that's sort of political talk. Like they don't want him to be brought up because it hurts politically. Right. That's all. But, it, but it's an unfortunate thing that someone would even say something like that and try to influence a bunch of people when, and you know, and they, they don't know, they really don't know what they're talking about. And so the, these seven, these seven Persians, they thought of stuff like that. And this is why the, the founding fathers wanted uh, certain people like landowners who have a say, mm-hmm. who have, who are invested in the country. They're the ones that are really you know, th- this is why the founding fathers didn't want universal uh, voting. They didn't want everybody having the right to vote because there's a lot of people who who shouldn't be voting. They shouldn't have a say in the affairs of our government. So this is what the seven discussed. Now, to go beyond the democracy, they were like, OK, well, then that leaves oligarchy and monarchy. And some of them were saying, you know, oligarchy is pretty good because – then, you know, you have a group of men. You don't have just one person um, making the decisions. And they, they were bringing back, you know, the whole thing about uh, Cambyses or Cambyses, how he was kind of a tyrant. And why should we let one person run everything? Because he could be a good person or he could be a bad person. But in the end, Darius convinced everyone that, you know what, we really should have a monarchy because with a monarchy you know we can make sure that we have the one good person who doesn't have to put up with an oligarchy because if you have an oligarchy and a bunch of the guys are teaming up against him and he knows what's best mm-hmm. 
He, he gave other reasons, but this was one of them. It, it's better to just have one good monarch running things, and then he won't have to sit and argue. He won't have to sit and debate. He knows what's best, and he can put it into action immediately, right away. So four out of the seven voted for a monarchy, which is kind of ironic, but but that's ended up what happening. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it's it's important to read what it is that they were discussing because it kind of makes sense, but it's also dangerous. So yeah. th- this is where uh, you know I thought it would be good to mention something like that uh, because it gives us something to sit and think about. Now th- you know there was a TV show that came out a few years ago that. Um, they, they stopped showing it. It was called Tyrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyrant uh, was about uh, you, you had a father with two sons. Um, there was uh, something. The father was dying. Now, one of the sons was living in the United States. He was a medical doctor. So he brought his family over to go see his dying father. And while they were there, the father died. The older brother, who was kind of a tyrant, took over. The younger brother, who was the American, was a good guy. and He was trying to persuade his older brother look don't do this don't don't do what dad did dad was a tyrant dad dad um um, bombed an entire city with chemical weapons we need to be nice to the people we have to we need to be good so these weren't just random people this was like this is a tv show this is just a tv show i know but like uh, the people were like political figures or whatever well, it was a makeup country. It was okay. It was, so they were uh, political he, figures. They weren't just like right. You know, hey, I'm a small business owner, and no, I also no, no, have no, a lot no, of no, chemical this, weapons. This, this was like the king of the or the, the okay. president of oh, the country. Right. Yeah, and you know, people think it would might have been Syria, it might have been Lebanon because of the location of it. So, but what ends up happening is that the brother gets the older brother gets killed in an assassination. The younger brother takes over, and he's a good leader. But over time. Mm-hmm. He ends up becoming a tyrant himself. Yeah. Hmm. Julius, and then the last thing I'm going to bring up is Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar is like, look, I want to be the dictator for life. I will be a good dictator, you know, and the Senate kills him. Now, there's a long story behind it. You have to kind of, we really don't have time to get to do all the details. No, we'll about do a Julius history of Caesar. Julius Caesar some other time. Right. But, but the, but the Senate um, was like, no, and they end up, even though, you know, Julius Caesar may have been a very good Caesar, right. his, you know, um, his heir, Augustus, you know, wasn't all that great. And then and then it kind of Tiberius was even worse. Caligula was even far worse. So <laughs> just uh, saying it got worse over worse over time. Caligula. Yeah. Well, Caligula well, too and much Nero, power was Nero being were consoli- pretty bad. Yeah. Too much power was being consolidated into one person. Correct. So, right. but yeah. but now you have the oligarchy. But right. But this is where we're going to go at this point. Um, I don't know of any 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 countries that have been ruled by a stated oligarchy. Yeah. Normally, normally we've had a dictator, but the dictator himself can't rule solely. Right. You know, like Joseph Stalin, Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler were the number one guys. Yeah. So was Mao Zedong, but. They had an inner circle to support them. Correct. So in, in a way, that kind of is an oligarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so th- that's why, like, I wanted to bring up the USSR when it fell apart. All the um, 
you had, you know, the, the well-known, you know, oligarchs now, um, that became, you know, massive billionaires when everything was sold, um, for pennies on the dollar, if you will. And those who had money purchased up everything. And then they were more or less in control with the government on what was going on in the country of, of Russia. So, that is that's my concern now is like you have the the risk of consolidating too much power into one person um like you had like you had mentioned earlier like a julius caesar um or going to modern day with stalin and hitler uh but you still have people that are running the show because you can't just do it all by yourself and those people are usually people who are either extremely loyal or they already have a good amount of power and you consolidate that together with you. And my worry about what's going on in America today, and it's sort of just a culmination of the past century, is you have these economic meltdowns to where fewer and fewer people have their own stuff, their own businesses, right? And that's sort of the idea behind the freedom of of America is that you can open up your own shop and you can be your own boss. You can be your own master, if you will. Um, And since the 2008 recession and now what we're dealing with uh, today with this incoming possible Great Depression return, um, you see... Business is just shutting down. Um, you see people selling off their their land and, or their businesses for much much lower asking price than they would have pre- previous twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. And that is that is a concern. It's like, well, that eliminates competition. It consolidates more and more um, supply into the hands of just a few. So. When you have a country under economic strain and everybody who did have their own say, their own business, um, could provide, you know, supply the demand for at least a a nominal group that was able to ensure that they could continue business. Now those things are shut down. And so those people who purchase strictly from them or primarily from them now go to the big boys like a Walmart or an Amazon. And so now we're all of the all of the demand from the consumer is going into just a few places. And when our reliance is strictly upon just a few and then you have, you know, you tie in government regulation which when you have government regulation, you have, uh, you have fines, you have fees, you have um, certificates or licenses that you have to purchase. Um, and when an economic crisis is, is underway, fewer and fewer people are able to make those ends meet when it comes to starting their own business or becoming their own boss. So what happens is the millionaires and billionaires are able to afford all of that. They're able to afford the regulation. And it drives down competition. And therefore, now you create a bit of an oligarchy where there's only a set few people. And it's not because the government has come out and said, you can't be in this industry. 
it's by fiat that you say you can't be in this industry because you have no money. So therefore, you have to rely on these people. And seeing that they have all the money, then who are they, who are they going to be answering to? They're not really going to be these oligarchs or these, you know, massive, massively wealthy business owners are not going to be accountable so much to the consumers as as they would have uh, prior to competition um, flourishing. Now they're going they're, they're not even really going to be accountable to the government because they're the ones with all of the money and the government needs that money via taxes or just via um, advertising dollars or CPACs and different stuff like that. So super PACs. So that's, that's what I am seeing uh, going on right now is currently the rich are are buying up everything. Um, I've, I've got clients that are, have either sold um, have, or they, or they actually sell real estate and people are having to sell off their land. And so they're selling it off for them. And people are coming in and purchasing it by the droves right now um, because it's it's so much cheaper because they are more or less forced to sell because you got to get something. And then I've got also clients that are like, hey, you know, people are going out of business. The competition is decreasing and we're purchasing up, you know, these offices or these businesses because the the, the price is so good. And that I think is is the risk that we are truly uh, not running into. That we are, I think that's the that's not the risk. That's the problem we're in right now. And and I am I am very worried. Well, you know, I was looking at the list of the the ten most powerful uh, or ten mo- richest uh, richest. Well, they're all men. The ten richest men in the world, mm-hmm. and a majority of them are well well into the and and support this stay home stay save lives yeah jeff bezos bill gates mark zuckerberg uh larry allison steve balmer now those guys uh all of them benefit tremendously by doing everything through the computer mm-hmm. everything right. everything so all these mom and pop uh, brick and mortar stores it doesn't do them any good. It actually hurts them mm-hmm. if people go and do businesses with them. But but if you are one of those people who stay home, save lives, and you do all your shopping online, well, those are the people who are going to benefit. I mean, look at, okay, Bill Gates and, and Steve Ballmer um, and, and even Larry Ellison who, uh, who ran Oracle. Um, mm-hmm. All those guys, they want to see you run everything through the computer. Yeah. B- business meetings, um, schools, online dating, mm-hmm. every single thing that you want to do, you now can go through the computer, you know, a Windows. Yeah, through uh, their a, product. Yeah. Yeah, through their product. A, win- a Windows operating system mm-hmm. um, with a um, with a, uh, with a Microsoft Office and yeah. Microsoft Teams. Um, so, so everything, everything that you want to do, everything that you need to do, you're doing everything through the computer at home. Mm-hmm. You can watch your movies. You can watch movies through your computer. Yeah. So they're bene- they are not only are they benefiting by everybody staying home and saving lives, mm-hmm. they're the ones who are encouraging it. And yeah, it's and, you becoming know, I, I, it's becoming a, a marketing tactic. It's a yeah, it's an and, advertising campaign for them. 
And and I was sitting, I was looking at all ten of them, and, and all here, ten of them. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I want to. Uh, well, all, all all ten of them benefit mm-hmm. benefit with something that has to do with online services, yeah, online sales, online operating system. All of them, uh, even some of the ones who are not in the top, who are in the top ten, that not are in the businesses themselves. Mm-hmm. But what they do is, is they they're marketing their products through online services or they have sold much of their interests like let's let's say for instance there's one guy um he he sold part of his business to google and to facebook mm-hmm. and by that alone that you now have more money going into that company and so that company itself is going to benefit from is, is going to benefit from it. I, I don't know. I might, I'm, I don't know if I was kind of clear in what I was saying, but, but if you look at the list of the top 10, yeah, they're all, all they're all benefit. benefiting each other. Correct. Yes. So yes. yeah. Like, so, like, an, like an oligarchy. Yeah. And also the, the, this motto, this campaign, uh, of the stay home, stay safe, save lives stuff. That's all pushed by the government as well. So they're taking the same, um, advertising campaign or marketing slogan that the government has been pushing. And so to an extent, the government and these big businesses are working hand in hand. So Amazon and so Bezos, Bill Gates, those guys, they are pushing their product with an accepted motto that Facebook and guys like Jack Dorsey and the people over at at Google and YouTube are advocating for so they're giving actually even more um, push for this marketing campaign, for this advertising slogan. And so it's, it's all um, coming to just like the big players that are really, you know, selling, you know, stay online, you know, purchase everything online, do everything online, live your life online. This is what the government is wanting, the CDC, and then like the the World Health Organization, the global arm. Um, that's what they're pushing. And then you've got Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube who are like, yes, this is what we want to push. And so it's these three arms that are that are in play together. And I'm like, if you don't see that as an oligarchy, is they are telling you what to do with the idea of you should feel guilty if you think in an opposite way, sort of going back to the Hunter Biden thing. It's all about, you know, making you feel uh, guilty or shameful about bringing anything up. Like if you question the mask thing, or if you question the vaccination, or if you even question, you know, COVID-19, if you question any of that, you are shamed even to even consider that. Like, Mm -hmm. well, we're saving lives. Well, at the same time, you're also killing thousands of people uh, by, by other means. And like, no, 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 no. Well, Okay, that well, you know, you can't have it both ways. So I think people need to understand like there are there are three strategies that are going on. It's governmental, it's big business, and it's communication. And they're all three in cahoots together with driving up their their wealth. And so people who are complaining about income inequality should look at this. And understand that, hey, it's only going to get worse and you feel better about making it worse. Although you don't think that you actually do feel better about making it worse because you think that you are actually promoting a good idea, but you're promoting the idea that benefits big business. 
And you know, who do politicians listen to anyways, from, from your perspective? Well, I mean, I, I guess, uh, uh, you know, that that's kind of hard to uh, for me, that's kind of hard to say, because I don't know who politicians listen to. I know who they don't listen to. And that's the people. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's sort of what I'm saying. It's like they don't listen to they don't listen to the people. They they um, they truly want their votes. But when it comes to listening to what the people have to say. They don't really listen. And, I think and, they, they're going to listen to the centers of influence in their lives. Yeah. And and, and, I, and I'm going to tell you this is, is that they know, they do know that that uh, that these guys in their little round tables on, on the, the morning, Sunday morning TV shows, they want to be talked about in a good manner. Right. Now, if you're going to go around and you're going to state that uh, that you think it's ridiculous to wear masks outside or it's ridiculous to uh, to have to shut down the businesses, well, those political discussions between journalists, they're going to sit and they're going to ridicule you and they're going to state, oh, they don't take this COVID seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I'm seeing about how, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking online at how some of these journalists, these opinion yeah. makers are sitting and saying, okay, well, now that uh, Trump has COVID, maybe now he will take COVID seriously. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting thinking, wait, well, you know, I, I do believe that he took COVID seriously from the very beginning. Yeah. And just because he doesn't believe that you should be wearing a mask, you know, out in the middle where you don't have, you have, you don't have anyone near you for 20 feet. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Then, then to wear a mask is going to be kind of ridiculous, especially out in the heat. Yeah. Because People, you you are already practicing social distancing. So to to ridicule a person who is wearing a mask out in the open and you don't have anyone near you, that doesn't mean that you don't take COVID seriously. It just right. means that maybe you're doing things a little too far. And and yeah. so that's how I've always looked at, you know, let's say how President Trump or even myself looks at COVID. I mean, I practice social distancing. I, I'm I don't sit and just stand near people all the time. I, I do try to keep my distance from people. Mm-hmm. But I try but to live always, my life. You've always done that. Well yeah, I've always <laughs> done that. Well I mean I mean I've always done what I've always done is, you know, when I leave a bathroom, I'm always I'm using a paper towel to open the door because I know there's a lot of people who do not wash their hands. Oh no. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And and whenever I want to eat, I'm washing my hands before I eat. Um, I don't touch my eyes or my lips or anything like that without first washing my hands. So I've always practiced that because mm-hmm. there are always people coughing and there there are other things out there other than COVID that I've always been concerned about, especially in the flu season. Right. So so to sit but there to is, your to your point, like I I completely agree and. Like the media, like we mentioned social media, but the media is is in the same vein, right? Um, social media is promoting certain articles that promote certain narratives. And that's the thing is like politicians aren't going to listen to the people. They're not, they don't listen to the hardworking people. They will listen to people when they, or they storm the streets, maybe. But primarily, they're only going to listen to what the media talking heads are going to say. And none of them seem to be really in defense of the American people who actually want to go to work. They'll touch on it a little bit. They may mention the unemployment numbers, but they always come back and say, but it's worth it. You know, we have to we have to do this in order to blah, blah, blah. 
And I'm like, well, okay, but none of the politicians are listening to anything really um, that the American people are saying. Uh, and, and shoot, man, uh, nobody for like four months was listening to the Constitution. You know, so uh, low be us that uh, politicians actually listen to us. But it's so bizarre, like as long as uh, Fox or ABC and CBS, uh, as long as the major media companies aren't tearing us down, we're fine. That's what it comes down to. Like if, 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 if people want to complain on Twitter and Facebook or whatever, whoopie do. And they don't seem to mind that. I, you know, I, I wrote a letter, an open letter to Governor Abbott, you know, uh, just saying, what, what, what is going on with you? Uh, what do you want from us? You want us to revolt as well? And, you know, I got a little bit of, re- I got response from readers. I got, mm-hmm. you know, I was on a, I was on a radio show last week talking about it. Um, and I had some, some email come in and, you know, there's some support among the, the citizens of Texas, but politicians, nobody responded to any of that. Politicians, no. they, they, they're not responding to that. It's not politically beneficial, I guess, to them to even respond. And so that's what that's my that's my concern. Like, look at their photos. You know, a lot of times they're with famous people. They're with athletes. Like, these are not normal people. These are millionaires. And when they're millionaires or billionaires, but primarily millionaires, what are they going to do for you? They'll give you money. I guess, you know, our, our hundred dollars, $20, I would just say this. I've never given money to any politician. I'll vote for you if, if you line up with what I think. But other than that, I'm not giving you any money, not even to buy merchandise. I don't Mm -hmm. want a Beto sticker. I don't want an Abbott t-shirt. I don't need any of that. So I don't need cruising with Ted Cruz. (laughs) So people who, who get all into that, that's fine. God bless them. But that's that's not me. And I think I would even be more upset if that was me and come to realize <laughs> the politicians ain't listening anyways. You know, I ran I ran into a politician once. Actually, I ran into two different politicians. Uh, one of them actually sat and listened to me. Uh, but another one wouldn't shut up long enough for me to even put in a word. Yeah. So... Hmm. I, but yeah, it was that. That's it was the second one that really, really disappointed me because it's like we. I, I wanted to say, dude, will you shut up? I, yeah. I've got something I want to say to you, but he, he kept talking to me about something else and just you know, it, it's like watching. It was like watching some of these talk shows on TV where where the guest can't even put in a word because yeah. the uh, the the talk show host just won't you know won't shut up long enough for that person to even speak. So oh, yeah, I mean it's. Yeah. It's all political. It's all about, you know, uh, yeah, I, I've seen that so many times. So I guess that that conversation that you had was the complete opposite of the one that I tried to have at that Hillsdale College event. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember that guy. I remember that guy. How could you forget? Well, you know, I, I know that in, you know, in the United States, now we had we had, uh, you know, George, George Washington kind of set the tone for this country uh, for our presidents that, uh, you know, he he ran 
he 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 ran and, and led for two terms and then he quit. Mm-hmm. He was on there for eight years and he's like, I'm getting out. Um, I, number one, he wanted to uh, he wanted to be on his his little his, his little property, his land, yeah. and just live his life and this and that. But but he also you know like when when he quit after he won the war, when he when he resigned his commission and went home. He set the tone for this country so that we wouldn't be like other countries, um, you know, where the the military champion now runs the country and runs it until his death. Mm-hmm. So Washington kind of set the tone. Now, Teddy Roosevelt was the first guy to run for a third term after he after he uh, was president for eight years. He ran a third time in mm-hmm. 1912 against uh, Taft. Yeah, and Wilson. and. And Wilson and, you know, Wilson, you know, the, the Taft and, and Roosevelt split the vote. Wilson ended up becoming the president. So yeah. he kind of set the tone. So now Franklin uh, Roosevelt, when when he had successfully run, led the nation for eight years, he ran a third time. And mm-hmm. Wendell Wilkie was like, dude, you shouldn't be running again. You're breaking tradition. Yeah. But. But uh, Wendell Wilkie lost. Franklin Roosevelt uh, won and he led a third term. And then he ran a fourth term Mm -hmm. and won. So it got to the point where the 22nd Amendment was passed after that so that we would not have someone like another Franklin Roosevelt. Now, that stopped the person, Mm -hmm. but it did not stop his family. Right. You look at, say, you know, the Kennedys, the Mm -hmm. Bushes. The the Bush family had a dynasty where if they if they could, they would have had. Oh, you, not, you know, yeah. yeah, Jeb, you had, okay, you had, you had the son, 43, he, he served eight, eight years. Okay. Now, all right. Now they wanted one of the Clintons, um, to, to run, but Clinton, Hillary Clinton, uh, lost to Obama. So Obama became the president, <clears throat> but then after eight years of Obama, okay, now we can have eight years for, for Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Hillary Clinton didn't get it. Um, yeah. Jeb Bush tried to take it away from Trump. Uh, Jeb Bush didn't get it. Okay, well, you know that kind of threw Trump ruined the the, the Bushes because Jeb because Trump beat Jeb Bush and then Trump beat Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Well, you know th- there are still more Bushes that they want to run for president, and and it's not just in the presidency, but we also have in other forms of government. You know, now Obama, they're, you know, they're talking about maybe Obama's wife will, will run for the president. We have, not just in the presidency, but we have in all these other families where, you, you know, in Texas we have the Bushes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there are, you know, we still have some more Kennedys out there. We still have yeah. families, family members who want to continue the tradition of having, you know, when, when Ted Kennedy died, mm-hmm. or prior to his death, he stated that he wanted to keep their seat in the Senate to be to remain part of the family. Yeah. Okay, so you know we still have the, the, this is kind of yeah the power, like, power it's like families. An oligarchy. It's an oligarchy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, and now now we have the Supreme Court. Because okay. now you're you're going with power that's not just you know on a on a limited basis, limited term. It's like no, this is going to be around for a long time. You right. need to make sure that you keep us happy. Right. Okay. Now, now, now that's, so we have that. Now let's also take a look at the Supreme Court. And, you know, based on what I've also been reading on, on social media, um, 
people are looking to the Supreme Court to kind of, you know, run the country. Like, if okay, if we can't get our way with, you know, the the president or with Congress, mm -hmm. then we've got the Supreme Court. We've got these nine justices who can run things that if we can't get our way in elections, then we're going to have the Supreme Court. Yeah. We're going to have the Supreme Court to sit and say, okay, this, no, this is unconstitutional or this is constitutional. We want the Supreme Court to determine what does the Second Amendment mean. Yeah. We want the Supreme Court to determine what does such and such mean. Mm -hmm. That's not what the Supreme Court was meant for. We, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, okay, she dies and her last dying wish is, let's hold on to that seat. Let's keep it from being given uh, to one of Trump's nominees. Yeah. My dying wish is, you know, let's, you know, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg held on to power as long as she could mm -hmm. until the election. And, and she failed. Yeah. And she died. And, you know, she she was not capable, really, of of running her duties she wanted to live as long as possible. So whoever was, you know, hoping that Trump would lose the election, that that person would then give that seat, you know, to our, to whoever, uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? I'm, 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 yeah, I'm at I, a loss of words. Yeah, I get what you're trying to say. Took you a long time to get there. Yeah. But, but, but uh... you know, but people are, people, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can edit this, <laughs> but, but, but people are so disappointed. The RGB supporters are so disappointed because RBG. they are whatever the, I'm, I'm thinking of the primary colors here. Sorry. Isn't it so, red, green, blue or something it like is. that? <laughs> but you know, it's that, that the, the, the Supreme court was not meant to determine the direction of our country. No. The Supreme Court was meant strictly to determine whether certain laws that are being passed are constitutional or mm -hmm. not. And that's all it's meant for. We're not supposed to look outside of the, of the Constitution for our laws, which is what Ruth Bader Ginsburg was was advocating. Right. And, 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 and Sotomayor know, also she's advocates. She definitely wasn't alone. Um, yeah, that had been so going Mayor, on. Yeah, Sotomayor goes in that direction. Right, but it's been going on for quite some time. It's been going on since the, in particular, since the Warren Court, and even you can you can trace it back to an extent uh, to William Howard Taft. And, you know, he was he was a big uh, globalist guy, um, wanted to create sort of you know the the global court system, um, which you know a lot a lot of the UN is you know came from ideas that he had. Um, so it, this has been an ongoing thing. It's it, and it's gotten to the point where the the purpose of the Supreme Court, and we'll wrap up. But the purpose of the Supreme Court is to figure out is this constitutional or not. Not should it have been or this ought to be constitutional, and that's the big difference. It's like it, it, that's judicial activism. Like, well, we think this is how it should be. And like now, now you're rewriting laws and now you're legislating from the bench and now you're usurping the legislative branch mm -hmm. so and to an extent uh until john marshall came along uh it was always understood that the judicial branch would more or less be the weakest of the three branches they were just there to make sure that things were done constitutionally you know so yeah judicial review came into play and uh you know, with, with John Marshall as, as the Supreme Court, uh, the Chief Justice. And that's when the judicial branch, you know, sort of elevated 
itself. If you and you know to an extent for good reason, uh, and thank goodness that it did do that. Um, but yeah, uh, judicial review came into play. So um, yeah, I think that's that should should wrap it up. I but I, that is my concern, man. Is we are you you can you constantly have people um saying we've got power in the hands of just a few people while at the same time ensuring that only a few people have power i'm like you you don't even you don't even get it they they just they're so they're so pro government and what does the government do they always wind up creating monopolies they ended up creating monopolies by giving you know, contracts to certain companies. And, and so when you do stuff like that, you create smaller and smaller amounts of competition. And so it's just, it, it has become a real, it's become a real issue. And I, I think that when you have so much power consolidated into the hands of a few, and I, you know, think people by now should hopefully know that you and I are not socialists by any stretch of the imagination, but we do know that with money comes power. And so when you only have a few people with, you know, so much money, well, they're going to use that, um, not even so much for, um, wrong ends or wicked ends, but definitely typically for political ends. Um, and so sometimes it's political ends that you agree with or disagree with, but regardless, that is not where that power should lie. Well, you know, one of the things we, as Americans, we have a responsibility to, um, to, to be involved, but, but what is important is, is that we need to bring civics back into play. Um, they, they have removed civics from schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the people don't know what a lot of people don't understand the arguments between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists in Philadelphia. You yeah. know, the concerns of the Anti-Federalists. A lot of people don't even know that even exists. Right. They think the Constitution was just written, okay, well, here are the rules. Yeah. And, and you know, we are giving, we as a society are giving our federal government more and more and more power. And what they don't understand is, is that the Constitution was written to be a restraint on the federal government, that the federal government was was in a contract with the states, telling the states, listen, we will limit our power. We are not going to be that strong. We're going to let you, the states, rule your own affairs, except for a few things, and this is what they are. Yeah. We, we are now relinquishing our control, everything, the power of the people and the power of the states, to a federal government. And within that federal government, you have a certain group of people who are acquiring this power, and we're letting it happen. Yeah, no, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, and that, I think, ties into the oligarchy system is that you have people who don't even know that we're heading in that way. They, they, they've heard the term, they've, they've heard it thrown around, um, oligarchy, but at the same time, they don't understand how our system was made or why it was made. Therefore, okay, let's do away with that. And let's go in the, in the path that we don't even understand. That's ignorance has, has played a big role in allowing a lot of this stuff to happen. So, 
All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings our show to an end. Hope you got a lot of information out there. Uh, let us know what you think about the show. Um, and if you got any questions, uh, and as always, we like to end on a scripture. This scripture comes from Romans 13 and one, and it says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now people will often take this out of context, sort of like what you were saying earlier, like they don't understand the Federalists and Anti-Federalists. They don't understand that when the Constitutional Convention came together and all these guys uh, had their ideas, it was based on historical precedent that happened over time in other countries and how their governments were set up. And so they pulled from them. Well, Paul is talking about, you know, God sets has set up authorities in our lives, and uh, Pastor uh, John MacArthur out in California, and I'm sure people have heard his name here lately, um, he broke it down really well. He said there are three authorities, three primary authorities. There's one, the individual authority, which is the conscience, which tells you, okay, this is wrong, this is right. And then there is the, f- the family, where the parents are supposed to be guiding the children, and that is where the law uh, comes into play. So it goes back to the, the proverb, you know, raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it, you know. And so uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. So that's the law coming into place within the family. And then there is government, the final law. And, you know, Paul goes on to say that, you know, there's a reason why the government has the sword. It's to punish the wicked, you know, not to punish the good. So there is the the establishment that that God has ordained of government, individually, family, and uh, nationally. But that doesn't mean, and people take this out of context, like, oh, we have to obey everything that any government that is established uh, in any country at any time, we have to obey those rules. No, when it's a wicked government, that's when you stand up against that. So, all right, Alan, where can people find us? They can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. They can also find us on our very own website, www.thesonsofhistory.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can find us also on The Epic Times. You have uh, written uh, quite a few articles uh, lately. And then on, uh, I, I think I'm going to start again this coming Tuesday uh, with the Tuesday Night History Live. And that is on Facebook, on our, on our Facebook page, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 Central. And then you have uh, your show on Instagram. You actually you do have now what? You have two shows. You have Instagram Thursday Night Live Chats, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central. And then you have the no. that, that th- We Three uh, Brothers or whatever it oh, is. Oh, We Three. No, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my Three Sons. Oh, God. Now, that's opposite. That's not part of the history show. That's just something my brother and my, my cousin Stephen wanted uh, we would meet up every Tuesday night and finally we're like, Hey, let's, let's do something with these conversations that we're having. Uh, it's more on a biblical, spiritual, prophetic end of the world type of stuff. So, but yeah, it's called, mm-hmm. can we three agree? Yeah, it's, it's but, you have your thir- sure. but you have your Thursday night live chat. I do chats, have my Thursday night live chat. Um, and that's every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. I have a guest on the show, typically. Uh, so but, I gotta... uh, but, that's on, but that's on Instagram, not on Facebook. Yes, fool. Who are you calling a fool, fool? You, fool. You know. Unbelievable. 
Okay, what's kill that, him. What's that saying? Only the who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Oh, that so, is that what I'm doing? I will be one Kenobi. Anyway, please continue. I'm following fool. you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, so you can check it out every Thursday night. Good stuff. Um, yeah, that's it. All right, are you done? I am completely done at this point. Yes. Awesome. Have you completed your taxes while we were doing the show? My taxes. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We will chat with you later.